0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, August 1st. Utah Governor Spencer Cox released the third chapter of Utah's Coordinated Action Plan for water last week. As Amy Van Tietenhove with our partners at Utah Public Radio explains, the plan aims to balance water conservation, agriculture,
1: and state growth. Utah's Coordinated Action Plan for Water is a collaboration between the governor's office and the state's natural resources, agriculture and food, and environmental quality departments. The chapter release focuses on water conservation commitments to optimize the state's scarce water resources. Agriculture in Utah is a major water consumer, using approximately 80% of the state's consumed water. In an interview with KSL, Cox acknowledged agriculture needs to do more to conserve water, but that Utah's growth is putting pressures on water consumption as well.
2: The problem in the Salt Lake Valley isn't farming or agriculture, right? It's the number of people that we have that are moving here. So it's different. Every water district is very different in that makeup. But agriculture has to do more. And what we know is there is technology out there that will allow agriculture to use much less water.
1: Technological advances, including automated watering systems, are expected to help Utah conserve water on the agricultural front. Utah's population is one of the fastest-growing in the nation, with a projected 66 percent increase in population by 2060, according to a report released this year by the University of Utah. I'm Amy Van Tatenhove.
0: The FBI have released a list of almost 180 missing indigenous people throughout New Mexico and the Navajo Nation. Emma Gibson of the Mountain West News
1: Bureau has more. New Mexico FBI believes this is the first list of its kind. It includes teens, adults of all ages, and one missing for almost 70 years. FBI spokesperson Frank Fisher says while going through hundreds of cases, their analysts found out-of-date and incomplete reports. That's been a consistent problem for those working on missing and murdered Indigenous peoples' cases. They're hoping their groundwork could be a model around the Mountain West and the nation. We feel it would be counterproductive for other states to start from scratch. This is a blueprint, and we want to share this path going forward. Over the last six months, Fisher says the FBI combed through several databases and social media pages to generate the list. They could only verify 177 cases, but there could be many more. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Emma Gibson. The climate crisis has been
0: the cause of rapidly rising temperatures, drought conditions, and lower stream flows in rivers and creeks throughout the West. The Roaring Fork Valley in Colorado is no exception. These rapidly changing conditions are impacting our natural environment, from the largest organisms in the ecosystem to the very smallest. And some of those smaller creatures, like boreal toads in the Maroon Bell's Snowmass Wilderness are facing big problems. Caroline Yanis with Rocky Mountain Community Radio went out with Forest Service biologists in June to see the toads where they spawn their tadpoles before they spread out into the wilderness.
2: If you want to find boreal toads in the Maroon Bell Snowmass Wilderness, you're not going to take the most popular trails up to Crater Lake or to Conundrum Hot Springs. Instead, you'll head up through the East Maroon Wilderness Portal below Maroon Lake and take the trail that runs up East Maroon Creek. But you're not going to find toads in the creek itself as they prefer still water. The ideal toad habitat is ponds created by old beaver dams, particularly in the shallow areas. Not only will you have to be at the right place, you'll also have to be there at the right time. Early June is the perfect time to look for toads in the Maroon Bells Wilderness, because you'll be able to find them in a few specific places, the places where they spend their winters and have their tadpoles. And where do they go when summer heats up? They
1: disperse into the upland. You know, it's highly likely they'll go up and down these riparian corridors, but that dispersal
2: is what makes for a metapopulation, you know, a population of populations.
1: You need some to stray off to no man's land because that's how they populate the landscape.
2: That was Clay Ramey, a fisheries biologist for the U.S. Forest Service. I went out with Ramey, Samantha Alford, a seasonal forest service worker, and Reed Patterson, a student with Colorado Mesa University, to catch some toads and get some information about them before they disperse into the hundreds of thousands of acres in the wilderness. This check-in is also crucial to establishing the health of the toad population in the Maroon Bell's wilderness. Last summer, some of these toads were discovered to have a potentially deadly fungus. Batrachochytrium dendrobatidis, and it's most often referred to as BD. That was Jen Logan, the native aquatic species biologist for Colorado Parks and Wildlife's northwest region. She says BD is a problem for amphibians worldwide, but it's only recently become an issue for toads in the Maroon Bell's wilderness. It impacts amphibians by infecting the keratin and skin, and it basically disrupts like osmoregulation. It causes a thickening of the skin, and eventually this kind of leads to heart failure and potentially death. It's highly contagious and spread with minimal contact. So today we're being extra careful with the toads we find in the beaver ponds along East Maroon Creek. Each toad is handled with a different pair of gloves and a different plastic baggie to get its measurements. Samantha Alford measures the toads from their snouts to their rear ends or vents.
1: What do you say, 5'4"? 54
2: millimeters. And then she weighs them. Approximately 24 grams. OK. To weigh the toads, they get put in a plastic baggie, which is then hooked onto a scale. It's an undignified process for the toads, who frequently try to escape. Your man's out. Thank you. Each toad also gets a photo taken of its belly, and some are more photogenic than others. It's like the hardest part is holding these guys for a photo. Boreal toads have distinctive black and white markings on their bellies, like a fingerprint or a QR code. It's how researchers at the Forest Service and Colorado Parks and Wildlife can identify individual toads, and then they get their belly swabbed for the chytrid fungus. It's 20 swabs on the belly, and five on each of their back feet and webbing. The swabs will get sent to a lab to identify whether any of the toads are infected with BD. The fungus was identified in some maroon bells toads last year, and researchers are hoping it hasn't spread to all of the recorded spawning sites. Some toads are more cooperative than others when it comes to swabbing. I am the toad whisperer, they're quiet in my hands. (laughs) (laughs) He heard ya. It's during the process that we find out the sex of the toads. That squeaking sound you just heard was a male toad expressing itself. While female toads don't make much noise, males make a very distinctive squeaking, something often triggered by belly rubs. (laughs) It's been a banner toad hunting day. Eight adult toads, plus dozens of juvenile toads no bigger than a thumbnail, and thousands of tadpoles. But the toad abundance is not the only thing getting noticed. It's really dry. Like species and ecosystems throughout the western United States, boreal toads are facing the impacts of years of severe drought. Stream flows in the Roaring Fork Valley peaked early this year. That means the beaver ponds that toads call home during the winter and use to spawn their tadpoles aren't seeing as much water from the rivers and streams that feed them. Raimi points out one of the warm, shallow pools currently inhabited by hundreds of little black tadpoles.
1: But see how already,
2: like, this little pothole isn't even wet to the perimeter. Like, it's, it's already
1: half empty. So if these little things dry up before these little tadpoles metamorphose, it's bad news for them.
2: That's a huge hit to toads in the wilderness if they don't have enough time for their tadpoles to metamorphose into toadlets. It could also mean reduced habitat for adult toads as well. Jen Logan with CPW says drought is only one piece of it. She says the warmer temperatures we're seeing throughout our region could also make prime toad territory attractive to other amphibian species from lower elevations, like forest frogs and tiger salamanders. That can lead to competition, predation, and potentially disease spread. And they do coexist with toads in some areas, less frequently, I'd say, in the Maroon Bells than other places. But they do increase the odds of a toad population becoming infected with BD as they move up, you know, in elevation and into toad habitat. And the health of toads in the Maroon Bells wilderness is critical. Toads are toads, of course, but Logan says they're also canaries in the coal mine. As a amphibian, you know, they're well known for being indicators of ecosystem health. They're both terrestrial and aquatic, so they sort of experience life in both worlds, which are also important to the overall health of the environment is that connection between water and land. That means keeping an eye on this boreal toad population is incredibly important, and the folks who monitor them need as much information as they can get. From surveys like the one Ramey and the Forest Service did in June, and from citizen scientists. If you're out in the wilderness and you spot a toad, don't try to pick it up and rub its belly to hear that magical toad song for yourself. But do feel free to call the Forest Service and let them know where you saw it.
0: Not exactly the roar of a lion, but you know.
2: This guy's got the gift to gab, I don't know.
0: Sure. Caroline Yanez, Aspen Public Radio News. That story comes to us through Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Utah, including KZMU. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, August 1st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.